Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer, that bears its name. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go to the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Britney Spears is one step closer to being free. The first official trailer for Impeachment American Crime Story is finally here. And Paris is burning something in the kitchen. Variety's chief TV critic Daniel D'Addario joins us with what to make of Paris Hilton's strange new cooking show on Netflix. It's August 13th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Stephen LeConte. And I'm Ahiso Sifo. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily and Ais, welcome back. Thank you so much for guest hosting again. Thank you. Y- y'all know that I live for this, so I'm just glad that you guys aren't tired of me yet. We will never get tired of you. But Ace, do you know what day it is today? It is Friday the 13th. That's right. It is Friday the 13th. So maybe some bad juju in the air. But yesterday, we got some very, very good news. Good juju. After over a decade of control under her father, and years after the Free Britney movement gained steam, Britney Spears' father, Jamie, has finally announced that he's prepared to step down from her conservatorship. In a document filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court, an attorney for the singer's dad wrote that while there are, quote, no actual grounds for suspending or removing him, he didn't think that prolonging the, quote, public battle with his daughter over his continuing service as her conservator would be in her best interests. There's still no timeline for Jamie's departure, though the court filing said it won't be until after several outstanding issues related to his management of the state are resolved, and that, quote, there are no urgent circumstances justifying Mr. Spears's immediate suspension. So, Ace, it's obviously good news overall, but what did you think of his statement? Because I thought he was a real asshole in it. I was about to say, like, okay, sir, uh, just... It would have saved us all so much more time if you just said, hey, y'all, I'm a dick. Like, don't like, you know, diddle daddle around the topic and be like, you know, after much consideration, I've decided to step down, but I'm going to take my sweet ass time to do it and probably like take more money from my daughter, even though she's the only talented person in this family. Yes, I meant offense. And, you know, (laughs) I just think it's it's rude. It's petty. But at the end of the day, it is a good, it's a step in the right direction for Britney's freedom. 
Yeah, I agree. And I also, you know, I just don't buy when he says there's really no reason for me to step down. Well, if that were true, there wouldn't be this major groundswell of people telling you to step down and you wouldn't be doing it. It kind of reminded me of Andrew Cuomo's statement when he resigned, where he was like, he was like, oh, of course, I've done nothing wrong and none of this is real, but I will resign. But I will be stepping down. Right. Uh, Congratulations, Brittany. You deserve your freedom. Hashtag free Brittany. Hashtag freed. Britney. Freed Britney. I love it. Well, in other news, the first full trailer for Ryan Murphy's new series, Impeachment American Crime Story, which follows Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky and the subsequent fallout, has dropped. And it looks absolutely wild. Mr. President, do you know a woman named Monica Lewinsky? That's me. That's my face. This isn't about justice. Then what is it about? Impeachment. Ace, I'm so excited. Did you see the full trailer? Uh, yeah, I did. I have Google notifications for it. I am so <laughs> pumped. Okay, so when I first heard about this, that this was going to be the next season of American Crime Story, I was excited but wary because I am a huge fan of Monica Lewinsky, but also at the same, same. time, like, you know, this is a very, you know, this is a very triggering story for her like she went through this in her early 20s and it defined her young adulthood so I was a little nervous to see how you know Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk and Sarah Burgess were going to handle it but then when I saw that she's a producer yes I was like oh yes bitch like I am ready like she's finally going to be able to take hold of her narrative and give us the story and show <laughs> us that the true villain is Linda Tripp. Yes. And Bill Clinton, by the way. I mean, I fully agree the the story could never have been told in this way without Monica's involvement. It's super Word. important. Uh, you know, this story has been told for so long without her participation. And I think that we're going to see a really different side of this in the post Me Too world and with Monica producing on it. I think we're finally going to get a, an appreciation for the fact that this was a president of the United States and a 22, 23 year old intern. Significant power imbalance. By the way, being Feldstein looks so much like Monica. It's in the scary. Trailer. Also, Edie Falco really as Hillary Clinton. Oh my God, it looks so amazing. It's crazy. I didn't think the Clive Owen. I didn't think his uh, Bill Clinton was super convincing. But he, he he has like he has the speech. Like he sounds like Bill Clinton. Yes, and that line I did not, not have, have sexual, sexual relations, relations with, with that, that woman. woman. He got that down pat. So okay, I'm excited to see it. All right. Well, moving on with Lucky Charm marshmallows as her food inspo and Kim Kardashian as her designated sous chef, Paris Hilton is ready to take the cooking TV world by storm in Netflix's aptly titled "Cooking with Paris." And well, just listen for yourself. I love cooking. How are you getting your feathers and everything? I'm a natural. guys watching at home we did this wrong so do it the opposite way for this part Okay, if you're confused, so are we. Luckily, Variety's chief TV critic Daniel D'Addario is here to help us make sense of cooking with Paris and whether the joke is on us or on Paris Hilton. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. All right, let's jump into this because Paris Hilton is my hero and her show is iconic. So this is one of those shows where you'd love to have been a fly on the wall in the pitch meeting. Like, first of all, like what even is cooking with Paris? We'd love some help trying 
till I figure it out and we'd love to have you explain it. This was the question that I uh, struggled to answer in my review of the show. I've seen six episodes and I think I have an idea of what it is, which is Paris um, is kind of putting on a bit of an act of being an extremely poor, isn't the right word, like not a very good home cook. She isn't really that sophisticated in the kitchen. So she has people come and help her do these recipes that are kind of quirky in the sense that there's edible glitter, there's sweet sugar cereal encrusted on everything. There's a lot of pink foods, whether that's because of food dye or natural ingredients. And together she and her celebrity guest kind of struggle through this recipe. And then at the end, eat it together in a room of her house that's been redecorated according to the theme. I found the redecorated rooms kind of the most compelling part and wish it had been more of a home renovation show. Yeah, there's like a campy tongue-in-cheek vibe to the show that suggests Paris is kind of playing into her old, uh, as you said, vapid persona. But it's interesting because that's an image that she seemed like she was trying to overhaul with her This Is Paris documentary. In that documentary, she was very open, honest, vulnerable, real. Uh, Uh, All of that authenticity is gone from this new show. Why do you think that is? Yeah, and I I was very, as I said in my review, I was very excited to potentially see this other side of Paris be developed. I think that it's safe and it's just easy to go with what's familiar. What's the missed opportunity is that the Paris we saw in This Is Paris is someone who does have kind of ideas, who does think about things, think about the way she's perceived. And I kind of wish there had been more development in her persona because it feels a little bit like something we've seen before to see her kind of goofily being kind of bad at on purpose at cooking. But if you're a familiar figure, there's kind of no risk in playing the familiar hits. Right. You know, when I was watching the show, I found myself paying very close attention to her voice because a lot has been made of her voice in the past like a year or so. Obviously on The Simple Life, she was doing like a very iconic baby voice thing. And then in the documentary she just released like, you know, last year or whatever, it, uh, she spoke in a much more grounded, low, almost gravelly sort of voice. And she said that other voice that he did was fake and I'm sort of done with it. That brings us now to this new show where she's mostly doing the baby voice again, but there are these very notable moments where she drops it, especially when she's speaking to people she seems to know well. So that dynamic made me wonder, do you think she came into the show with a clear intention about how she wanted to portray herself? Or do you think we're watching her figure this out live in front of us? Yeah, in that way, it is maybe more interesting than I gave it credit for at first, in that we're watching someone kind of figure out how they want to be seen. There is an aspect of it whereby she seems to be curious about showing a little more of herself. It's just not always clear the right moments to do it or how she really wants to achieve that. So the facade kind of slips, but it seems a little bit random when it happens. And when it does, it's really only for a short moment, even with her mother and sister, uh, the people that she knows the best in the world, it would seem she kind of has a voice that's deeper than mine for a moment, but then goes back to the kind of familiar persona voice 
after just a minute. You know, like I, again, I've been a longtime fan of Paris Hilton's, like as a, what are the, I think they call us Gen Zennials, like <laughs> that mix. You're like a Gen, Gen Z, Z millennial hybrid. Yeah, exactly. So like I grew up with Paris, but I was like a little too young to, you know, dress like her because my mom was like, you cannot leave this house showing your midriff. But it's interesting that this show is coming out at a time when like true Gen Zers, like people born in 2000, they're obsessed with the 2000s and like the culture, the aesthetic, the look, the vibe. But a lot of Gen Zers are probably too young to remember Paris Hilton, like her peak socialite days. Like, I feel like they know her as a meme, but not as like a personality. So do you think this show is an attempt to build a new generation of fans with Gen Z? Or is it more about tapping into millennial nostalgia? Both? Neither? I'm curious to get your thoughts. As a millennial myself, it's hard to escape my own viewpoint. And for me, it felt very much like it was trying to tap into what made the simple life work. And a lot of the sensibility of 20 years ago, which was a little harder edged, has been removed. The show feels softer, safer, cuddlier than The Simple Life did. And it feels, as far as I can tell, very Gen Z appropriate. As a millennial, I'm diagnosing from the outside, but it feels as though she could fit right in, in the world of the internet and on TikTok. And I mean, that's evidently true because Cooking with Paris began its life as a YouTube video. Mm. Well, we'll be right back. We have more with Variety's chief TV critic, Daniel D'Addario, after the break. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. (gasps) We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yes, sir! Head over to NFLshop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, T-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLshop.com. 
Welcome back. We're talking with Variety's chief TV critic Daniel D'Addario about Netflix's Cooking with Paris. So this does resemble The Simple Life, which premiered in 2003, and it's a big part of what thrusted Paris into the limelight. She became huge at that time. Looking back on The Simple Life, how and why do you think that even happened? What was it about her image or that show that fascinated the public in the first place? It makes me a little sad to look back on The Simple Life just because I feel as though people watched it from a kind of perspective of hate watching. Paris Hilton was this kind of figure who America loved to hate. You'll remember that before The Simple Life, she had been covered as a wealthy teen heiress partying in New York City, photographed for Vanity Fair. And there was also her infamous sex tape, which dropped before uh, The Simple Life launched. So part of the appeal of the show was like kind of gawking at this person who had this extraordinary, strange amount of privilege. And now she kind of turns it inside out and says, yeah, actually, maybe I'm a little bit more in on the joke than you thought. My issue with the show is I don't think the joke's really very funny. Like, I think that she deserved to be treated better because the way people talked about her 20 years ago is really unkind. But I also kind of wish we had a little bit more development beyond my big house, my fancy clothes. Like, I feel like it seems to be working for people, but I kind of craved a little bit more nourishment from this person that we know has a lot going on. We know she is clever, funny, and good with her image. So like our introduction to Paris was purely like, you know, she was this rich party girl, this rich young girl in her teens, the heiress to the Hilton Empire. And I, you know, as a Gen Zennial, I remember watching her and being like, this is just so fascinating. It was almost like, you know, it was why I was like so obsessed with like Gossip Girl and like The Hills. It was like a life that was like not mine, but apparently real people lived. And, you know, when I think of that, I also think of, you know, people like the Kardashians, specifically Kim and, you know, their friendship. Kim was even the first guest on her show. And, you know, Kim had a very similar rise to celebrity, but has managed to stay relevant at every single turn. You know, she has the reality show. She has her makeup line. She has a collabs with her sisters. So I'm curious what you think Paris could learn from Kim about keeping up with the times. Yeah, I actually think that's really well put. I think that the reason why Kim has been somewhat more built to last as a celebrity is that at the core of it is this story that she's telling about a woman with a family and just trying to make it work despite all the advantages she has. Whereas Paris's story is kind of all about the material things without that added value. We look at Paris as someone whose situation is really crazy and interesting. It's a bit hard to relate to her story because until very recently, she hasn't let us see the real her. And when she did in her YouTube documentary, she then kind of receded back into her persona and literally using a different voice. Yeah. You know, I want to circle back to the nostalgia of it all. Um, We're living in a moment where a lot of celebrities are really trying to recapture some sort of magic that worked for them a long time ago. Like look at Benefer 2.0 or all of these 90s shows that are getting rebooted or all these cast members from these 90s shows are now doing podcasts about the show. You know, just last week there were rumors about Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer dating, which I fully believe their publicist planted. 
what what do you think it is about this particular moment in time that is making people so nostalgic for the past? I think that nowadays it seems as though everything is somewhat choose your own adventure. And you could be talking to a friend in your same generation who's had all your same experiences and their favorite star could be someone from TikTok that the algorithm hasn't shown you yet. So it's nostalgic to think about a time when, you know, Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer were as Ross and Rachel, the biggest love story in the country and 40 million people a week watched their story. That's not coming back. So to get to relive it, feels a little bit, I think, especially for young people who didn't experience it the first time, thrilling. Totally. Yeah. You know, again, seeing as, you know, a child of the the late nineties, early, early two thousands, seeing all these reboots and seeing all these couples, like when I saw Benifer, I lost all of my marbles. <laughs> Is it real? Is it not? Who's to say? But again, my nostalgic heart was rooting for it and living for all the paparazzi photos. And again, you know, that does kind of circle back to Paris. Paris was a very influential figure in the 2000s and, you know, her kind of coming back into the fold, you know, with her YouTube series and then the YouTube documentary. And now this Netflix cooking show, I'm curious if, you know, say if this isn't Paris's act two, so to speak, what exactly does cooking in Paris provide us with because, you know, it's still not super clear. So it's supposed to be funny, just a train wreck, mindless background TV. And who is it for? I think that Paris is interestingly trying to be a lot of things for a lot of people all at once. I think that she is a canny and smart individual who knows that there is some sort of nostalgia for her and the moment she represented. My question in looking at the show is just how much patience people who have been watching her before are going to continue to have because there doesn't seem like a ton of character development to me. Interestingly, I think the ideal viewer of Cooking with Paris is probably someone who's meeting her for the first or one of the first times because it seems really novel and really strange to have a character emerge in the year 2021 who's kind of unapologetically wealthy, makes no bones about being really interested in other people. These aren't really super au courant values right now. And so for that reason, she is kind of an interesting counterpoint to a lot of what's going on. I'm not sure it will all add up to a season two, season three, and season four of Cooking with Paris. I think the interest is inevitably somewhat limited. Well, Daniel, we really appreciate your insights on this. As I was watching the show, I was very confused. I was into it. I was also very bored. I really appreciate you helping me unpack all my complicated feelings about it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's an ongoing process. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, hashtag freed Britney. Peace. I love that so much. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bowser, Joshua Burnley, Tanya Bustos, Jess Goodwin, and Erica Nedinine. Special thanks to Samantha Hennig and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. 
So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes. Each week we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus you'll hear hilarious stories like this. Fun that fact. was one of your things too. you brought back from Latvia. Yeah, I brought back because a hoop. all professional <laughs> basketball players. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven foot hoop. Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season. Now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. 